1: experience is also available. Get your tickets now at WAVA.com keyword concert. The
2: number one source for uplifting and inspirational online videos is Godvine.com. Make your day a little brighter and your relationship with Jesus a little closer by visiting
0: Godvine.com.
3: Listen to the Bible Study Hour with James Boyce, Sunday mornings at 8 on 105.1 FM WAVA.
1: Life change here. You're listening to wava Arlington and WSBZ Bethesda. We're 105.1 FM WAVA.
4: The
3: last thing I wanted to inherit from my mom was her varicose and spider veins. Then it happened. Embarrassing, bulgy, knotty-looking legs. Not to mention the pain and swelling. I just couldn't stand it anymore, so I went to Vein Clinics of America. Vein Clinics of America is the oldest, largest, most experienced vein treatment center in the U.S., and for 35 years, they've been the leading expert in the treatment of vein disease. Using state-of-the-art laser and minimally invasive treatments, they can begin restoring the natural beauty of your legs in as little as an hour with no downtime, and most treatments are covered by your insurance. My legs look great and feel great. I even love wearing dresses again. Whether it's a family gathering or office formal, make sure your legs look and feel their best this fall. Call now and schedule a free, fast-track consultation to find out how you can finally get rid of those embarrassing varicose and spider veins. Space is limited, so call 800-885-8181. That's 800-885-8181. 800-885-8181.
1: If you want to be like most people, you could trust someone else to protect your money, investments, and retirement. If you like those large firms that manage thousands of accounts and can't remember your name unless you answer a password question, then this is not for you. At Tradeway, we help you get involved in your investments. Our team will get to know you on a personal level to understand your goals. Then, we'll help you learn how to make your own investment decisions and reach those goals. Even if you have no clue where to start, we'll walk you through it. You're not like most people, so Tradeway won't act like most firms. Understanding your investments may seem like a big goal, but small steps can get you there. To learn more, call 877-907-TRADE or go to Tradeway.com. Tradeway, big goals, small steps. Coming to the Renaissance Arlington, November 10th and 11th. Only ninety nine ninety five 95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management.
5: It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on
2: the air. It is time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I'm loving the weather. I tell you, yesterday was unbelievable. I wish I wish we could have just had that all year long. That was just... You had to work, too. You were inside during all this weather, weren't you?
6: you I know, but I'll be outside after we're done here today. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. It's a
2: little chilly in the mornings, but then it turns out to be... This is just a beautiful time of year. It really is.
6: It's beautiful out, Chris. You can't argue with it. it no. It's crisp in the mornings. It's not chilly. It's crisp. It depends on your view of it, right? Yeah, some people... Come say, on, Bob, help me out here. <laughs>
2: some people say it's a confusing time of year because you don't know whether to turn on the heat or the air conditioner. So you just leave everything
6: off, Right. And just, there you you, go. And just, just deal with Just turn it all on or turn it all off, Chris. It doesn't okay. matter. You got right? it. <laughs> but no, it's beautiful out. Absolutely, boy. You know, mid mid or what is this? Late October now, I guess. So yeah, yeah what anyway.
2: happened to the leaves? I mean, they were supposed to have already been like done by now,
6: right? Now we haven't even- actually. Here's what happened to the leaves. If you really want to know, <laughs> okay. I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to know, and you have the answer. Because as we were leading into peak leave season the last hand the last few weeks three or four weeks we have had lack of rain oh. and it is the moisture that goes up you know into the ground up through the trees um into the leaves that gives us the brilliant colors right. and with the lack of moisture the leaves are just sort of wilting and and uh, not turning but they're they're starting to die off so that's exactly why the oh, wow. uh, we have lack of color Boy, I guess everybody didn't know that I was going to be a uh, Levologist here, or whatever you want to call it this morning. Sir. Larry,
2: the Levologist. I mean, we can put three other, three other little acronym letters behind your name, LVO, Levologist.
6: Right, right, exactly. So, But that's the deal. That's the deal. So. Well, welcome, everybody, to uh, Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Big news this week in the markets, in the economy. You know, let's just start off with one of the top ones here, uh, all kinds of, of, of conversations and articles out. There about uh, uh, you know the the uh, three leading candidates um, for the new Fed job and Janet Yellen's one of them so you know uh, looks like President Trump has has interviewed all that's left to be made is the decision and it seems that in the rumor mill Fred um, uh, uh, Taylor seems to be the the uh, leading candidate there and there's a lot of people that are worried because you know of his quote unquote the Fed rule. Uh, or the, the John Taylor rule, as he calls it. And um you know, he believes that interest rates should be at a more normalized rate. Uh, three to three and a half percent. Now, does that mean if that he takes the job, or if he gets offered the job, that instantly he's gonna start jacking up rates? Never, no, never. not at all. But he does look to have a more stable type of a currency, and more of a positioning of sort of a humble type of a Fed. Which is kind of interesting. I did a little research on him here. <clears throat> And he has, you know, that type of a view where the Fed doesn't want to be out there leading, but the Fed wants to be behind the scenes sort of quiet and stuff. So we'll wait and see how things play out. You know, there, there, there are people saying, oh, this is great, this is bad. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, still you don't want to fight the Fed. Uh, some people are saying interest rates need to raise. I kind of agree with that, but at the same time, not too much, not too quick. It looks like there's a 91% probability that the Fed will raise in December, right. and we all sort of knew that. And if they do, then I'm going to get my interest rate call right for the year, which you know is pretty interesting. I said we'd have three rate hikes this year, and, and um, sort of swam against the stream. A lot of people said we'd have four, so we'll see. If they do that, then it'll be uh, pretty good. Then well, all next not... year, I can talk about how I was right. <laughs> I always talk about how you write. Yeah, I mean, I no, do. No, on no, am just but... kidding. No, no just but if you're, kidding.
2: if you're tapering things up just at a slow rate and you get to that 3.5 over time, I mean, what's the downside to that, really, as long as everybody bakes that in and kind of puts that into their planning processes?
6: Well, when you have money in bonds uh, uh, that are subject to interest rate sensitivity, as interest rates rise, the value, the price of those bonds are going to drop unless you hold those bonds specifically to maturity. The other side of the coin, uh, you know, and, and also on, on that in that vein that you're talking about there is, you know, they're going to raise interest rates to sort of slow down the growth of the economy because they don't want to have too much inflation in the economy. Well, we're trying to reinflate the economy, and if 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 the Fed would sort of get out of the way of always wanting to support the economy, then we can just let free open market entrepreneurship capitalism go and reflate the market. You know, if we get a tax. Uh, Package through here that that's going to really take a good solid uh, especially if it's on the corporate earnings side of things you know on the on the mm-hmm. corporate tax mm-hmm. side of things that's mm-hmm. really going to spur a lot of growth and reflation in the economy so <clears throat> wait and see how it how it plays out. You know, at the end of the day, Chris, here's how an interest rate movement up can slow down the economy. Let's suppose you wanted to go buy a new car. You take a look, you know, at a new car. Maybe the financing is 4.5% today, and you say, hey, this sounds good. You know, I'm going to wait until till february march and buy the car and now it's at five and a half percent And you go well gee my 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 four hundred dollar car payments now five hundred i don't think i'm going to buy it i'm going to wait mm-hmm. so that just slows down the velocity of money slows down the purchasing and then slows down the economy ultimately that's how mm-hmm. it, it it has a long term or a, a, an effect overnight in in spending in the economy both at the business level as well as the individual consumer level so right. Uh, but you know, the, the, uh, when, when you take a look here at the Fed's, uh, beige book that was reported, uh, recently, you know, they're, they're pretty optimistic here, expecting, uh, the, the, uh, labor markets here to, 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 uh, remain a little tight, which is going to produce some, some wage increases down the road, which is a sign for reflation and inflation in the economy, uh, which is, you know, pretty good. And, uh, one thing reported out this week, Merrill Lynch reported out that and their fund manager survey that they're finally starting to see cash move off the sidelines, if you will, and into equities, which is very, very good. It's bringing some cash balances uh, down, you know, in money market accounts to the, to the uh, you know, levels that we've seen in 2015. So think people are, you know, finally saying, hey, maybe this market's going to continue. So it's kind of funny in, in in prepping up my show each week, I always get to see, you know, read about all the positive people and all the negative people and what they're saying, you know, Dr. Doom is wrong and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> back and forth and everything. You know, we will have a market correction at some point. That doesn't mean we have a recession, but maybe a temporary pullback, you know. And, and when you stop and you take a look, and let's suppose your account is up, as an example, let's say it's up 15%. And you have a pullback of let's say four percent, everybody looks in the market and goes, shock and all, oh my gosh, but you're still up eleven. So so that's just the way things things play out there. You should so, look at those as buying opportunities, right? You should, depending on what's happening in the underlying economy. I exact I completely agree with you there. You know, and also when you when you when you stop and you take a look at at uh you know, the, 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 the differences with, with your investments and your portfolios, it's very key now to make sure that you stay diversified. In your portfolios and don 't get caught up in just in just chasing whatever may be the hot sector in the economy overall right now, so you know if you if you take a look at the last quarter, you know energy price energy is still negative for the year, but it had the strongest quarter last quarter of of a rebound, so you know you don 't you want to stay diversified within your portfolios so just a quick question then when we 're talking about sectors and staying
2: diversified, do you just look across each sector and say, "I want a piece of this, 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 and that?" Or how do you how would you kind of do that grade curve if you're investing, say, for the first time and you want to come across the sectors so that you're diversified? What would you suggest as far as knowing
6: which ones to get into at what time? So when you take a look at, at what provides or what drives your overall rate of return, about 91% of your portfolio's rate of return is based off the asset class selection. Which goes to your question, which is, should I be in large cap growth or large cap value or large cap blend, which is a combination of both? So right there you have three different sectors broken out. You have the large cap, you know, the big stocks, you know, your Walmarts and AT&Ts of the world, that type of stuff, your large companies. Some of them are viewed as growth. Some of them are viewed as value. So where do you want to be? What's happening in the marketplace? Well, right now, year to date, growth is, ap- is way outperforming uh, value and blend. And for the f- and and this year so far, actively managed funds are outperforming the indexes. Okay, so <clears throat> that that goes to your question, Chris. When you take a look at reading quote unquote reading the tea leaves and what do you see? You know, 46 46 countries. Around the world, which is the largest that we've that we have in the in the ODAC, is is uh, actually growing right now. so when when everybody around the world's growing, you're looking at this massive growth. Wow, you know where do you want to be emerging markets, or do you want to be developed markets? Do you want to be in small cap growth or small cap value? Technology, financials, construction. Transportation, you can keep breaking down all these different sectors more and more and more till finally all of a sudden you have 32 of them in your portfolio and you're going, this is crazy, right? How do I manage that, right? Exactly. So you have to manage them in a couple of different ways. We have a bias towards having indexes as well as actively managed positions. We also have a core where we very rarely change our core. These are just basic blocking and tackling and type of investments, good or bad times, probably going to stay there. And then we'll have some what we would call satellites or some, some extra positions in there that sort of build muscle and drive rates of return in a portfolio based off of how we See things you know we personally have a, a tilt towards technology right now and biotech and, 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 and uh, the growth axis of things versus the value axis of things well, like you said
2: you 've talked about the fact that the baby boomers are all retiring and that the folks are getting older so you you kind of are skewing things towards healthcare care as well right in long term health
6: well, when you take a look at the healthcare care sector, okay, you have all different types of of um, of uh, well, when you take a look at the healthcare asset sector class, you have all different types of sleeves in there, if you will. You have insurance companies. You have, uh, um, uh, Device makers, you know, people that are doing building, uh, you know, joints for hip replacement. You know, you have biotech uh, too. You have it? biotech, uh, large pharmaceutical companies. You have several different what we would call sleeves within the healthcare realm. And so you want to take a look at where consumer spending is driving demand and government spending. And and now, you know, to get to your point there, if you take a look at the biotech, you're you're, combine, you're you know you're combining bioinformatics technology and and uh, the biology of it all uh-huh. together uh-huh. and and you know so so when you look at the demographics as you're talking about the the you know the developing ages of more and more baby boomers you know the number one um uh, the fastest growing demographic in our country is over 85 85 plus mm-hmm. and when you take a good look at that you're going you know people are living longer and longer you know you know the healthcare program that was put in place a few years ago was meant to get everybody quote unquote insured but when you look at at, at biotech which is in the healthcare arena that's meant to extend life and the quality of life and so when you stop and you take a good look at all of this stuff, we're going to continue to develop, you know, better medicines, better health care, better nutrition, better all of that type of stuff. That's all wrapped inside that sector. So when you talk about a sector, there's many, many different ways that you can look at it. Just like technology, Chris, you can say, you know, people are out there, well, if you think of technology companies, you know, people are listening to the show, driving around a Beltway right now, what do you think, what, what companies come to mind when you hear the word technology? Microsoft probably first. you know. Yeah, Microsoft, the big box. Right. Intuit, Apple, Google, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. But what are the systems that they run on? What about all the tech companies behind there? you know like the the infrastructure of all this stuff that it runs on who yeah, makes all the little devices that goes into your into your earphones or into your you know your bluetooth radio pieces all that type of stuff chip makers micron people like that right yeah. so there's a whole sector within all of that too so, you can boil it all down and 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 take a look at it,
2: you know so it's it's important to to sounds like there's a lot of ways to get to the end result uh, it depends a, kind of a, a, on your own personal preferences, but it also depends on the numbers and who's growing and who isn't growing
6: yes, yes, you know and and it's it's fun you know when we when when I talk to other financial advisors around the country and and uh you know and economists and wealth strategists and 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 all these people boy they have so many different titles. You know, and, and, uh, chief investment officers and, and, uh, I'm sorry, strategists and things. You know, they all have a different sort of slant on the way they're reading things. But for the most part today, everybody's, you know, a, agreeing on, on what they see overall. But some people like this area better than that area. And a lot of it depends also, too, on on your clients, too. You know, how you have your clients broken up into conservative, moderate growth, that type of scenario as well. So at the end of the day, you also have to always keep an eye. When we work with clients, we always keep an eye on the downside, upside capture and downside capture. You know, if if the S and P is up 10%, how much of that are you getting? If you're getting 9% of it, then that means when the S and P is up 10, you're getting 9. When what's the downside capture? Well, if the S and P is negative 10, maybe you're only getting negative 5. So your downside capture is 50%. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you always want to keep an eye. That's how you have balance in your portfolio. You want to have things that have what's called negative correlation. If one thing's going up, the other thing might not be going up as much or might be going down in relationship to it. So you have to take a look at the overall risk levels inside your portfolio because we will have a pullback at some point, and you just want to have you know a balance a balance You just want that there. spark line to keep going up and up and up eventually. You do. Right? Definitely yeah. you do. So, you know, hey, we always open up the show with a lot of economics. Got a little sidetracked there, but hey, I like that. That's not a problem at all. I see we're up against a break here, so give us a ring here. Let's open up the phone lines. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a call. Answer your questions live here in the studio.
5: You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense
7: in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life?
2: Orphans who are high school age would not have a chance to get education
7: otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope.
2: What we do is we actually pay for the school fees.
7: For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year.
2: We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing.
7: Call now, 703- 201-2494 or go to starschildrenafrica.org.
2: For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high 703-201-2494
7: Cool. 703-201-2494 call right now for $500 a year you can change an orphan's life
2: 703-201-2494 you're listening to the Larry Rosenthal show making money sense if you'd like to dial in here's a phone number for you right now 855 855- Seven six seven three one two three. That's 855-ROSE-123. And to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal.
6: Larry? So, Chris, where were you 30 years ago on Wednesday?
2: <laughs> I'll have to check my calendar, Larry. I, you know, right off the top of my head, I, I don't know. What was 30 years ago on Wednesday?
6: 30 years ago Wednesday was October 19th, 1987. Where was I in 1987? I, I I don't remember. I think I think it was down in Kentucky somewhere. That's when the Dow had its largest single day drop. It Black Monday, I think it was. Black remember Monday, that? It tumbled 20.5 percent in a single trading day. Wow! That no, was, I was 30 years ago. This past Wednesday. I was too young. You know where I was? Where were you? I was just starting in this business. Oh, I had okay. just started in the industry in August of 1987, and I'll tell you a quick story about it because looking back on it, it's funny, and I was right, and all the smart guys in the office were wrong. <laughs> but here's what happened to me: so I'm in the office, and I'm doing my thing and everything, and 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 most of my day was sent, you know, spent around, you know, studying all this new stuff, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. taking tests and all the kind of stuff like that you do back then. And You're about and, a year and a half out of college,
2: something like that,
6: maybe two years out of college.
2: Nah, I was right. Right
6: out of college. Okay. Graduated in, uh, what, May of 87, took okay. a couple months off and, and started in August. And then here comes October nineteenth, nineteen 1987. <laughs> and I walk in fire. and everybody's standing around the TV looking at the markets. and And they're all getting all worried. And the market's tumbling, tumbling, tumbling. And they're freaking out. And they're going crazy now. These, mind you, now these have, I'm standing here looking at the TV with, with men and women that have been in the in the business for for years ahead of me. And so I, being the you know the inquisitive person that I am, uh, always asking questions. I said to them, you know, well, isn't this a good thing? Shouldn't you be on the phone calling your clients, telling them today is a great day to invest? and in the throes of all of this one guy looks at me his name's carl he looks at me and he goes get out of here go buy us some donuts kid (laughs) so i was like totally confused now going but my books are saying you should be you know buying today (laughs) did you get the donuts (laughs) probably i don't remember but i probably went and got the donuts anyway um Guess what the stock market returned that devastating year in 1987? I'm guessing to the positive side. It was up 5.3%, yes. Wow. So Isn't you were that right. Interesting. Huh? So you were right. Well, yeah, I guess so. But, you know, that was kind of interesting. So a lot of should've people should've... talking about this 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 past week. You
2: should have stood toe-to-toe to, toe to those
6: guys and say, hey, listen, I know what I'm talking about here. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> not not back then today is a different 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 day yeah. uh that that is, that is for sure so um but you know hey uh a couple things that I want to talk about this week here on on the show is um uh i, I saw some articles this past week and i always see articles and um uh, a particular uh client uh, brought brought some of this to my attention an article i didn't see because I'm I'm always you know reading in 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 online the papers the magazines you know different people's advice and all this kind of stuff and and there was an article talking about retirement money you know how much how much money you need and and things of that nature and I want to just address something here that that it's very difficult it's difficult for me when I'm on television or on the radio here to give sound financial advice to the masses without knowing everybody's particular situation, okay? and so i want to make sure that that when you're when you're out there reading magazines and and reading articles and stuff like that that you really stop and, and you address certain things but the was talking about it and we even see commercials on tv you know how mu- how much money do you need to save and and where should you save it and how long are you going to live and and what's your spending ratio and all that kind of stuff so i thought i would put together some building blocks today on addressing the question because a lot of people i get this question a lot from just my my my, my friends and from a lot of clients hey how much money do I need to retire on you know and and, and how much should I be saving okay I did a financial plan with someone yesterday and, and they were they were uh, looking to say you know find out exactly how much money they need to save each month in order to accomplish a certain goal that they wanted to have down the road so I, I reversed engineered and in two minutes I came up with the number you know blah 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 that's how much you need to save each month and, and so, so when you're starting to think about how much money you need in retirement, remember you have to have some basic building blocks. And, and one of the, the, the things that you have to stop and take a look at is, what type of pensionable income do you have coming in? And pensionable income can be derived from, from three places. One is an actual pension where you've worked at a place for a while, and then they're going to give you money each each month for the rest of your life. Typical pension. Another part of pensionable income is Social Security income. And another part of pensionable income is money that comes out of an annuity to you, maybe you and your spouse. Those three types of scenarios there, you're usually not going to run out of money, Right? Mm-hmm. So stop and think for a moment here in your mind's eye. Let's just suppose, let's just put a, a, a budget number in your head real quick. And let's suppose, let's just do simple math. And suppose you want to live on $10,000 a month of after-tax spendable income. We'll do 10000 because it's an easy number to work with. Suppose your pension gives you maybe 2000 a month. Suppose Social Security gives you another 2000 a month. Now you have different investments sitting around and you're going, all right, I need $6,000 a month to make my objective. How much money do I need set up for that? It's not necessarily how much do you need set up for the whole thing. A lot of people leave out Social Security and their pension when they're thinking about their building blocks. Next, and believe it or not, they do. Next, you have these different scenarios that you have to play with. One, one scenario is what risk level of investments are you willing to accept? What risk level are, do you want to encourage in your investments? Some people say, well, Larry, I don't want any risk in my investments once I get retired. I want to put it all in the bank and, and, and very conservative bonds so that I don't have any loss. Well, that's a risk in itself, and the risk is called purchasing power. You're not going to create purchasing power replacement for yourself down the road because money in the banks and money in bonds, too much money, I would say, in bonds, will not keep pace with both taxes and inflation for for longer periods of time during your retirement years. So you incur purchasing power replacement risk. It's very important to understand that. Next, you want to take a look at what tax bracket you're in. Right? What are taxes doing? What's the most expensive thing I've said for years, Chris, on this show? Tax. Taxes are the most expensive thing in any type of investment. So here we are building blocks of, of maybe some non numbers, non-investment oriented things that are inside your investments and taxes. Where you're saving your money today, think about this. Where you're saving your money today, what's the tax treatment on that pile of money? While it's growing for you, and then what's the tax treatment once you pull it out and start to put it in your pocket? Okay? Think about the money inside your retirement plans, the government TSP, the 401Ks, the 403B plans, the the Keo plans. Whatever you have, that's all pre-tax money. You control 100% of it. You can direct your investments, whatever you wish. But how much of it do you actually own? You only own 65 to 70% of it because when the money comes out, you have to pay taxes on it. So are those investments inside the 401K setting up for growth while you're growing the money? But then when you go to retire, now are they set up for two things, both growth, both, both growth and income.
2: That's just why I find the Roth so attractive. You know, I have to worry There
6: you go. So it. now you're talking about tax allocation strategies. Should you be paying more on your money today by putting the money into a Roth 401k side? What should you be doing? Tax balancing. When we sit down and we build out a financial plan, one of the components of the financial plan, and you should be talking to your advisor about this, and if you're not, give us a call and we'll show you and guide you on how this works. It changes the dynamics of a financial plan. You look at asset allocation. Hey, remember Grandma said, Chris, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? You <laughs> did. Put an egg in your pocket, a egg in your sock, and put the rest of them in your basket so you make oh. it home okay on a bicycle, right? She never
2: said that, but okay. yeah, okay.
6: <laughs> well, that was the idea anyway. Yeah. So you don't want to put all of your investments in one place so you have asset allocation. Next thing is you don't want to have all the same types of investments. You want to have product allocation, Probably a portfolio that has some ETFs in it, some mutual funds in it, some, some some stocks in it, maybe individual bonds, UITs, because pros and cons of each investment exist. You know, the downside of, of a mutual fund, an ETF has a pro to offset that back and forth and things like that. So you want to look at product diversification. And then the third component of this, of this scenario here, Chris, is tax allocation strategies, which is what you're talking about. That's why you like the Roth IRA, because the money incubates in there. And if you, if you meet the qualifications of 59 and a half and for at least five years, the money's been in there, it comes out tax-free, the principal and the interest earnings. Think about that. Just think about the power if, if you have huge. a... Exactly. I, had a, I have a retired client of mine who we did a review this week. They live in Delaware. We got on the internet, we did, you know, the whole nine yards and everything. And they were asking me. They said, you know, hey, we're, we're we we want to take a look at doing some Roth conversions of our IRAs. So we'll talk about that a little bit today. You know, how do you what's the right thing to do? You know, you've got, you know, all of your life savings saved up in a pre-tax 401k plan. And you're sitting there, maybe you're 63 years old, and you're going, okay, look at my tax hit here over all these years coming. Is there a way I can convert some of this? And I ended up talking to them about doing series of little conversions. Think about this. If you're 63 years old and you convert, okay, $10,000 a year over into a Roth IRA, yes, you have to pay taxes on that money. But now that money's sitting there growing. By the time you're 73, now you're going to have $100,000 plus earnings sitting in a tax-free Roth IRA so that you can start distributing tax-free income to yourself 73, 83, and 93 years of age. Does so, it, I was going to say, does it really depend on what tax
2: bracket you're in at that point when you retire? Is that really the difference between having everything in a Roth versus non-Roth, or should you have it in both? I know that's kind of a maybe maybe a
6: question that takes us a little off track, but I'm just curious. So the answer to that is this, Chris, is I'll tell you exactly 35 years from now. (laughs) Thanks. Because I can tell you what your tax brackets would have been between now and the next 35 years. I can't tell you what they're going to be. So that's why you say both now, right? That's why I say both, yes. And, and, and you know, uh, again, if I walked 100 financial advisors from around the country into the studio, the first third are going to tell you, put it all pre-tax. The second third are going to tell you, no, put it all on the Roth side post-tax. I'm in the middle. I'm going to tell you to do a little bit of both. And then do some of these conversions along the way as necessary as you see where you are as you're going there, right? Quite possibly. You know, I've done conversion exercises for clients, and I've recommended them not to do the conversion. It's not in your best interest to do these conversions. Some clients, it is in their best interest to do their conversions, and it's a year-by-year decision because tax tax returns change every year. Maybe you have an, a, an item that gives you, you know, a very low tax bracket for a while, right? hmm Okay, so, so, so you really have to stop and take a good look at it. Maybe there's an offsetting deduction. Maybe there's a medical expense or a new mortgage interest or something like that that gives you an offsetting deduction type of a thing, okay? Um, you know, a lot of people went out and did a conversion when President Obama in 2010 allowed uh, for Roth conversions to be paid over a two-year period of time. Mm-hmm. Versus, versus in one year. So you're talking about tax allocation strategy. So that, that goes into the, if you will, the unpacking of this system of, of, of the building blocks inside how much money do I need and where is that money coming from to secure my retirement standard of living for, for myself and my family. And, you know, you want to make sure that your income, again, is coming from reliable sources, with dependable streams of income in the most tax-efficient manner. Tie all of that together in a financial plan, and it's pretty neat when you stop and you see it. You know, if you can save just one and a half, two percent 2% in taxes over the course of your retirement years, that's a lot of money. It really is. And people don't realize that until they sit down and see these numbers. So these are types of questions that you want to be talking about. Also, what type of inflation projections are you putting into, into your, hey, how much money do I need to retire on at the end of the day? But the biggest thing, the biggest thing that people forget, and it's, the most, it's one of the most important things that people forget when they're standing there with their buddies at the barbecue or they're going to the baseball game or whatever it is, and the conversation of retirement planning comes up, and they all go, well, how much money do you think you need? How much money do I have? How is this going to work? One of the biggest things that people don't understand on how to gauge the answer to this is looking at the mirror, looking at themselves with their own behavioral finance patterns. You've been conditioned. You have conditioned yourself for years, for decades of how you treat money. How you spend money. Right? Or save it, yeah. Or save it. My case my, my, my case in point is this. Let's suppose, Chris, you go out to the to to the 7-eleven and you happen to buy one of those lottery tickets and you win right mm-hmm. okay and then the next week you go okay now i've got all this new money and you decide, well, I've got to go to the store. It's kind of fall. I'm, I'm, I'm a little chilly in the morning, as you say, right? Okay. Now, Bob and I are looking at it and going, well, Chris, Chris, the air is crisp and clean. And you're going, it's chilly. But no worries. Yeah, I get it. It's understandable. You say, all right, I want to get a sweater. No, I'm going Ferrari, baby. If I win a lottery, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> you're going Ferrari. I hear you. But here's my point. You, even if you have excess money because of your behavioral finance, that you've developed over the years, you go to the store and you look for a sweater. And you see two sweaters sitting there on the shelf. And both of them are, you know, catch your eye, you pull this one down, you try it on, it fits perfect. You take the other one out, you try it on, it fits perfect. And then you look at the price tag. One of them 100 bucks, one of them's 35 Because of your behavioral finance, you're probably going to go, I'm buying the $35 one. I don't see the extra value in the $100 one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's behavioral finance. So just because you have excess money at that particular purchasing point, purchasing point doesn't mean you're going to spend it. So take a good look at your behavioral finance. Okay. It's been my experience
2: that those who are very wealthy a lot of times are the ones that save the most and are looking for
6: the best bargain. You know, it's, it could very well be. Not always, but it's been my experience. That it could very thing. well be. So when I talk to clients, one of the things that I that I that we do in our firm is we really dive into understanding the behavioral finance. You know, is this person innate a saver? Is this person a a spender? And what do they spend the money on? You know, I have a real good friend of mine who's got every type of gadget known to man technology and all that kind of stuff, Yeah, I tell them, why don't we invest in technology stocks? At (laughs) least you're going to get a return on all the stuff that's piling up in your drawer, right? (laughs) Stop it! think about it. I have a drawer like that. (laughs) Oh, do you? Do you? Do you? (laughs) But, you know, also, we're talking a lot about money. We're talking about uh, who owns, and we're talking about you know, your own behavioral finance, how you treat money, whether you respect money or not. And at the end of the day, we need to understand whose it is. It's the Lord's. We talk about this all the time on the show. Biblically-based financial planning, it's the Lord's. We have to have respect for it. Our job is good stewardship with the dollars. So start thinking about these types of things inside your financial plan when it comes down to the question at Thanksgiving, how much money do you think I need to save for retirement? Build it just like I talked to you about it right here today. If you have questions on it, you Want to understand it? Give us a call, 855 Rose 123. We're going to take a quick break here. Keep the phone lines open. Give us a call with any of your financial planning or investment questions, 855 Rose 123. 855 767 3123. listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Tarot at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan-first pre-approved certificate. 571-490-7117. Or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan-first certificate. Call Troy Tarrou at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Tarrou and McLean Mortgage Corporations,
2: NMLS, number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. To talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal.
6: Larry? Absolutely, Chris. You know, yeah, well, I would say you know, but not everybody knows. I
2: usually don't. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> When you say that, I usually don't know. So it's good that you explain. So yourself. not
6: a lot of wiggle room in the uh, government budget. Seventy-four uh, percent of projected spending of the U.S. government over the next ten years is going to be mandatory spending: Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. Uh, so that is a can of
2: worms. It's going to be interesting.
6: To to see how all that stuff plays out. I mean, they can't Uh, get along in
2: Congress right now. Can you imagine if we brought up Social Security, let alone what they've been trying to do?
6: Well, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. You know, consensus is now, actually, that that there's going to be some some sort of tax thing uh, that's going to come through by the end of the year, which could be a good thing. You know, we could, so. very, could very well be. So, so we're talking about retirement income today. We're we're, we're, we're you know, on how to build that that on you know how to sort of answer that question on the back of the envelope. How much money do you need and things like that. Conversations have come up I've seen this week, and and I want to bring this to light on you know how does a reverse mortgage work? Is it useful? We see these ads all the time. What are the ways that you can turn equity into your home? So let me just start at the top of the top of the mountain here and work our way down as we as we sort of, you know, unpack this 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 subject. There's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home. Nine different ways. They fall under three different systems and there's three ways within three systems. One way to manage equity in your home is to turn it into streams of income during your retirement years. So stop and think about it. You've got some income coming in, you've got expenses going out, and you're sitting on all this equity inside of your home. Can you unpack that equity and use it for your standard of living? How do you go about doing it? And there's three ways. One of them is a reverse mortgage. Another one is what's called a trade-down. And another one is what's called a sale leaseback. And when you build these into financial plans for people, it can sometimes change their 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 you know cash flow in retirement years. So let's talk about a, a reverse mortgage first of all, because that seems to be the most popular one out there. Because that's the one that's being advertised. Because mortgage brokers, you know, they they get to you know make money on that type of stuff. Whereas a sale leaseback or a trade down is more of a family financial planning. Type of a decision
2: they usually hire a very expensive celebrity also to do those commercials,
6: <laughs> yeah, you see them on t v and and stuff like that and and you know, but that's okay they're 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 doing their thing so so a reverse mortgage is you need to be sixty two uh years of age, and your home needs to be close to if not fully paid off and basically what's going to happen is it's going to it does exactly what it sounds like it's a reverse mortgage, you know right now. You know, you you may own, you you may live in your house, but you might not own it because the bank owns it because you're paying a mortgage on this property, right? Well, the reverse mortgage is just the opposite. The bank is going to start paying you. So there's a chart. there's There's a system. There's a formula, if you will, as to your age, as to the value of your home, as to how much money you're going to get, either in a lump sum or on a monthly income basis. So that is one way to turn the the equity that's inside your home. It's sitting inside wood and bricks, mortar and steel. It's going to turn it into streams of tax-free cash, right? Nothing left for your family in the end, though, right? Don't well, you? in the end, there could be. It just depends on how long you live, okay? But the formula to deliver the income doesn't give you as much as you think, the formula to take a lump sum in a reverse mortgage doesn't deliver as big a check as you would hope. Ushering in two other scenarios, trade downs and sale leaseback. Now, a reverse mortgage also has a lot of advantages to it. You don't have to move. You get to stay in the same house, right? Which a lot of times people want to do. Say, you know what? I don't want to go through the hassle of moving. Imagine, Chris, packing up everything you have in your house for the last 25 years and moving it to a smaller house. What stays and what goes? You know, bring the dogs, get rid of the fish, you know, that type of thing, okay? I don't know, all right? You know, what about the baseball card collection? That might not go, you know? So so anyway, so a, a trade down is when you decide, hey, I'm going to sell my larger, more expensive, more maintenance-driven home for a smaller home. I'm going to trade down in home size, Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Right. So you're going to trade down. And and a lot of times you can cash out money. Let's suppose that your home is worth five hundred thousand dollars and it's and it's paid for or very close to being paid for. And now you're going to trade down maybe to a home worth three fifty. So you buy the home for cash. You still have no mortgage. And now you pull out one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, that move alone right there may end up giving you more than what the lump sum or the stream of cash flows from a reverse mortgage would give you. Mm -hmm. It does give you the opportunity to cash money out while downsizing your home, whereas a reverse mortgage will give you the opportunity to cash some money out, but you're staying in in your home. So, again, if you want to do a reverse mortgage, you don't want to do it Uh, You you want to do it because you want to stay in that home. A third way that you can do this is what's called a sale-leaseback. This is when you're going to stay in your home, just like a reverse mortgage, but you're going to sell your home maybe to your adult children and then lease it back for life. This way, if that home is worth $500,000 and the, the kids buy it, Guess how much of that $500,000 you get? Now I'm excluding taxes and, and, and uh, real estate fees and all that. You get the whole $500,000. you are cashing out all of your money, and you're remaining in that same home. Now you just make a monthly rent payment back to the kids to cover their mortgage. It takes the value of the real estate out of your life and moves it down to the next generation for future growth. At the same time, cashing out a tremendous amount of money that you can turn into a very reliable stream of income, even in a tax-efficient manner. So when you stop and you look at the financial planning aspects of how to unpack the equity in your home to turn into streams of income, there's three different scenarios right there. Not all of them are correct. Not all of them should be done you know but you need to take a look at that because a lot of times as people get up into their 60s and their 70s and stuff they start to worry about am I going to run out of money what can I do and oftentimes they turn questions to their home how do I manage this in my home so we see people doing trade downs and reverse mortgages and 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 sale lease back strategies at least that's in the conversations you know different things from time to time so there you have it, three different ways to sort of, you know, what we would call unpack the equity into your home, freeing up more cash flow to maintain your standard of living.
2: You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. There's a caller online here, Anita, if you'd like to speak with her, Larry.
6: Yes, Chris, I guess my buttons aren't working here. That's <laughs> okay. Welcome aboard, Anita. Go ahead. Good morning,
2: Larry. Um, Question about the TST, Is there such a thing? Because I'm
3: at five percent now. Is putting too much money in at one time?
6: Well, there, uh, Anita, you're only allowed to put in the federal guideline limits per year of dollars. If you're under fifty, then it's eighteen thousand. If you're over fifty, then it's twenty-four thousand. The first eighteen is the regular contribution, and then the other six is the uh, catch-up provision that you're allowed to put into it.
1: And you said over fifty twenty four thousand. Yes. Oh, the first time I've heard that. Okay, thank you so
6: much. You are quite welcome. I appreciate the phone call. Give us a ring here at eight five five rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. I got my uh, screener buttons working here again, Chris. Okay. So. Oh, yep, I needed to hit refresh button.
2: Forgot that. <laughs> uh, it's either refresh or I could smack. Uh, which one would you prefer?
6: No, I'll hit the refresh. Button. <laughs> that's absolutely fine Yeah, absolutely. i'd rather you i mean yeah that's good Boy, what a day out today you know you talk about spring fever right yeah no it's beautiful i know out. i was dude. just looking at the clock going okay wow." Well, you know uh anyway a little are, spring fever happening here in in october well you know we need to do the radio show outdoors what
2: we need to do is get the barbecue going and then just have some people come around and we can just do it outside
6: Absolutely. So, well, Bob, Bob, flash up your address here, and we'll do this next Saturday at your house. And um, uh, you know, because uh, yeah, we could do I that. I can tell Bob can can hook up a group. Oh, you know, you know he can. You know he can. So that's
2: a good idea. I think that's the plan. Is that a plan? Are we good with that? Yeah. Uh, he says he's good with that. That, that we're on. Absolutely. Yeah,
6: absolutely. That that works for me. (laughs) That definitely works. Hey, we've got to take a quick break here. Give us a ring at 855 Rose 123. Listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment.
5: those kids that you keep
7: your kids away from those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with that kid you saw in the street corner last week remember that kid that well you feel sorry for the dropout the pregnant teen the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner, Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. For more Show. information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com.
2: number here is 855-767-3123.
6: 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure, let's welcome Joyce on the line. Good morning, Joyce. How are you today? I'm good. How about you? How about you? I'm well. How can I help you? I wanted to
2: see, um, I heard on the radio at the same station, actually, that the Virginia retirement system was in trouble, and I was wondering what does that mean for someone who had never put in for them in my upper 60s, and I've never put in for my retirement yet, and I wanted to know what does that mean for us putting it in? Am I going to get stuck out there? I thought I was going to put in for the, you know, continuous lifetime um, amount and Joyce, so, I
6: ha- I have not heard
2: that. Does that mean I'm gonna we'll be in trouble if I put in for the continued lump sum? What would that leave me for if they're really in trouble like that?
6: Joyce, I have not heard that if that they're in trouble. Okay. That's news to me. I have not heard that at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you can simply call them and you sh- and, and and ask them. Um but I have not heard that at all. The truth. Pardon me?
1: You think they'll tell me the truth?
6: Yes they have plus they have to be sending you out a statement once a year to to let you know the funding position of it too, so i have not I have not heard that at all. if you want, I'll have Bob sit on the uh, get your information, I'll put you on hold, and then we'll help you research a little bit of that okay, next Have you ever heard of
2: that well,
6: I have not heard of that Nope.
2: industry it's a place runs out of funds. And what happens if, if
6: something they're... runs out of funds, it goes to the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, but this is a state entity backed by the taxing authority of the state, so I don't think it's in trouble. It could be underfunded right now with the way interest rates are right, uh, mm-hmm. right now, but that could be made up very easily down the road with some more growth or, r- or raising of interest rates. Joyce, I'm going to have to let you go here. I've got to get another caller. Hey. We've just got a few seconds left on the show. Appreciate the phone call. Let's welcome Joe on the line. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Good morning. I'm
2: fine, and thank you very much for your program.
6: Sure, absolutely. How can I help you?
2: Um, I mean, I stay at home, mom, and I just got a steady job for the last 12 years. I'm 58. My salary is $35,000 a year, and after lots of bumps on the road, and am finally being able to live in a good budget, tight budget, and uh, I started saving. I only have $2,000 in savings, so at my age how should i be planning for the
6: future well we need to build you out a financial plan basically it's the first thing joe and and i want you to take a look at what your expenses are now what your expenses are anticipated to be one day when you stop working down the road See what Mm -hmm. your cash flow is, how much you can continue to save, and then let's start saving it in the appropriate spots, all aimed at that retirement date down the road. That's really the best thing that you have to look at right there. Keep an eye on your expenses. Keep them down as best you can and continue Mm -hmm. to to put away as much money as you possibly can. That's sort of the deal. Okay. Expenses down,
2: savings increase. I I love my job. Should I look for a higher-paid job in Should I be thinking I'm going to keep on working until I'm 73 years
6: old or something like that? Well, Joe, when you say you love your job, but yet you want to go look for a higher-paying job, I think the answer to that lies in the conclusion of what a financial plan looks like. If if you go get a higher-paid job, but you're miserable every day working there, that's a decision that only you are going to have to live with. Whereas some people might say, you know what, I'm going to stay with my job because I absolutely love it. Even though I'm making less money, how can I make this work? And you can look at that inside of a financial plan. That's why in your case, I think it's important to do that. Yep, I'm going to go. I've just got a few seconds left before the show goes off. I'm going to put you on hold. If you want, and Bob will get your information, and we'll have an advisor give you a ring next week where we can set up a time to to build you out a financial plan looking at your current job versus, hey, should I quit my job and go find another job with more money, okay? Yes, sir. Because lifestyle and enjoyment is something that's important as well. It's not just about money. Absolutely. (laughs) I agree. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Absolutely. I'm going to place you on hold. You have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. Well, what a beautiful weekend it is here. A little spring fever in the middle of October. No complaints about that. So for Bob in the back, answering the phones today, appreciate it, Bob. Good seeing you. For Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Again, if you have questions during the week, feel free to give our office a call. We send out all kinds of information to, to people giving us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot us off an email. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money
8: for life insurance that's smart you should talk to select quote consider these numbers we 've helped millions of families and we 've been doing it for 33 years and with select quote you don't get just one quote like with other companies you 'll get up to 10 from highly rated insurers How about these numbers? If you're a 40-year-old male, SelectQuote could get you $500,000 in coverage for under $25 a month. And if you're a 40-year-old female, SelectQuote could get you $500,000 in coverage for under $18 per month. But no matter how great the numbers, it all comes down to just one, helping you. That's why SelectQuote is America's number one term life sales agency. Call SelectQuote at 800-747-6699. Again, 800-747-6699. That's 800-747-6699. Or visit selectquote.com to get your free quotes now. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials, or price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states.
4: The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. And he also asked, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But the question is, how can a person, young or old, hide God's Word in his heart if he has never even had one opportunity to hold that Word in his hands? That's why we're asking you right now to call 1-800-YES-WORD with a generous gift to the Bible League to help us quickly reach our goal of providing several thousand copies of the Bible to heart-hungry people all over the world. $5 buys one Bible, 50 buys 10, 100 buys 20, $250 buys 50, and so forth. And right now, every dollar you give will be doubled with matching funds. Call right now, would you? 1-800-937-9673. 1-800-937-9673. Or online at wava.com. What do you say when you're asked about abortion, suicide, euthanasia, and capital punishment?